The Cosmic Adverse Podcast, written and read by Nick Perry. Book 1, Fireside Flush. Chapter 8, The Stress of Spoils. The Keeper of the Flame, Tandra Shugara, sat uncomposed upon his throne. The throne room, located deep in a network of caves spinning through Mount Vor like an inside-out spider's web, lay quiet with a dense, eerie air. Tandros inhaled the musty air through enlarged nostrils. His physical body had kicked into high gear as transformation from human to gross perversion. His nose had flattened even more in the few short days since his visit to Cornelia. Tandros sat cross-legged, clicking a hoof on the back of his throne. His feet had lost their human form some time ago. Black fingernails gripped one armrest while a free hand steadied a gold goblet. Lucky for Tandros, his hands had avoided morphing into hooves. They had gotten a bit hairier in the past few days, but he had grown used to the thick fur coat that had covered his body since the world's inception. The keeper looked into his goblet, gold and gem encrusted, and found it full of red wine. He swirled it around and lost himself in his thoughts. There weren't usually many to lose himself in, but Tandros had recently discovered a state of introverted melancholy. Tandros hadn't come home empty-handed on his trip to Cornelia, and he was quite happy about that. The success of the kidnapping had restored some of his faith in the creator and his man, the magician. The little prick, a meddling pre-production kind of guy who gave off a smell of sketchy desperation, had been the one to set the whole plan in motion. The keeper did not trust the magician, even when he had first revealed his plan. Tandros knew the man was legitimate, however. The keeper of the flame had a keen sense of smell, and the magician wore the creator's scent as if it were a heavy perfume. How long had it been since Tandros had spoken to the creator himself? Several years, perhaps even a generation ago. Well, there was that the incident with the area between Afrit and Malin, known as the Scar, but that had been a completely different matter altogether. A black dust swirled in the middle of the crimson throne room, and the magician appeared. This snapped Tandros out of his internal monologue, and the keeper recomposed himself in a manner worthy of a keeper. What do you want now? Tandros asked the man standing in front of him. The magician wore a thick black cloak as if he had outfitted himself for the northern Icelands of Malin. His skin was pale and his eyes even paler. Long curly black hair framed the man's gaunt face. The greasy hair reminded Tandros of inky strands that the Terran octopi emitted when frightened. Oh dear, did I catch you at a bad time? The magician asked in a snide, sarcastic tone. As a matter of fact, you did, the keeper responded. Tandros raised a black eyebrow to the magician. Oh, my apologies. In the middle of ripping one out. I can leave if you'd like to finish, or... The magician licked his lips. I could help expedite the task at hand. The keeper of the flame hated the magician with every fiber of his being. The black spire's attendant knew how to push the keeper's buttons. Tandros stood up and made his way toward the man in black. The robed assistant regarded the oncoming force like a boy watching his birthday present being delivered for his eager fingers to open. When the keeper reached the magician, he grabbed the magician's cloak and pulled the scrawny wizard towards his sharp teeth. Tandros snarled, Don't push me! You're a means to an end, you know. The magician smiled a toothy grin. Oh, but I do, he exclaimed. I may be a means to an end for you, but you're the end to a means. The magician cackled at his play on words and disappeared from the hands of the keeper behind the same black dust in which he had appeared. Yoo-hoo, the magician exclaimed from behind Tandros. Tandros turned and saw that the magician had draped himself on the keeper's throne. 
The magician's scrawny legs lay swung over one of the armrests, and the wizard looked like a seductress lady in waiting. That was a pose that Tandros knew well and had seen plenty of African women through the generations. You may be the Black Spire's attendant, but that does not give you the right to accustom yourself to my throne, Tandros seethed. It took all of his self-discipline to keep from reaching out to the magician and ripping his throat out. Better yet, the keeper thought, I'd like to rip that fucking smile off his face. Oh, my sincere apologies, my flaming keeper, the magician said with a smirk. I didn't realize that you were so attached to a throne that should be vacated shortly. I will always have the authority of the Scorian throne first. You would best remember that magician. Please, call me Mezrin. It has such a nicer ring to it. The magician stood up and walked towards the keeper in the middle of the throne room. Tandros watched as the magician, Mezrin, walked toward him. Mezrin sounds like the name of a haggard old bitch. I bet you'd prefer me to be the woman at least once, Mezrin snarked. Or are you a bottoms-only kind of guy? This is getting nowhere, Mezrin. The keeper added a bit of sarcastic English on the magician's name. What have you seen? Mezrin sighed. Of course, it's always business with you. You don't have an entire army of winged bastards beating on your doorstep. Your outlook on these matters is far too serious, the magician said with a nonchalant flick of his wrist. You're making me get stressed just listening to you. Don't you know? Get on with it, magician, Tandros roared. Okay, all right, Mezrin said, holding his hands up to the keeper. I have been to the east towards the scar and found no sign of our game. We need to act quickly. We need to find whatever the hell he is looking for. Worry not, my flaming forerunner. I assure you that I will not deliver a gelded keeper to the right hand of the creator. In the meantime, I have spoken directly with him, and he has a few things for us to do to really send a signal. What would he have me do? Tandros asked. His previous ferocity had deadened. He means for you to ward off Samuel's coming army, obviously. That should be your number one priority. I have taken the liberty of scouting the location of the wind's front line, and his army has almost crossed the great barrier between the shores of Cornelia and the jungles of Afarit. Kagi aims for Farone Valley to make his entrance. His numbers were in the tens of thousands. Not bad for progressive, peaceful Cornelia. Have your men expedite their task of building an army from the uncivilized masses. Send a good chunk to Farone Valley and keep Samuel from advancing. Who knows, you might actually win. You have the numbers, but a ragtag group of nomads do not an army make. The sound of low gurgling screams of men meeting their deaths echoed from the dungeon below. A strong gale of wind rushed through the cross-stitched network of caves. Shit, Tandros muttered as he ran through a side door. The magician followed gleefully. Tandros and Mesrin made their way from the flame's throne room down the dark cave corridors. The stench of prisoners' feces and rotting flesh felt heavy on the air. The magician pulled his cloak to cover his mouth and nose as he followed the keeper, now sprinting towards the source of the guttural screams and gnashing of teeth. They soon came upon the source of the screams. Dead men lay strewn about the cave. They had been assigned to the princess's dungeon cell. Tandrus knew the men, though not personally. He kept few close associates and ruled the keeperdom with an open fist if one could exist. Tandros crouched at the five bodies on the ground, their blood commingling with the cave's dirt floor. The resulting mud made a shloop, shloop, shloop noise as the magician's clumsy feet caught up to the keeper. 
The men's torsos had remained intact, but their skin had been forcibly peeled off of their faces. This was no doubt the result of the gale-force winds that earlier had shot through the caves. The princess has escaped, Tandros said as he touched the breastplate of one of the fallen guards. The keeper looked beyond the fallen men, into the darkness of the caverns. Prison cells, bore out of the stone walls, lined the path to their escapee. Iron bars, blown into a gnarled mess, were all that was left of the cell's door. The open cell, of course, had held the princess. More guttural screams echoed around the bend at the end of the dungeon. The Keeper of the Flame grinned. The princess was still here and still causing trouble. Tandros knew that Erin Kagi, as smart as she and her father would have you believe, couldn't navigate a random network of caverns. Gotcha, bitch, Tandros said as he stood. The magician made a weird expression behind his cloak, a half-grin caused by the thrill of the chase and a half-nauseous look. The magician's nose reminded him of the surrounding stench. The keeper and the magician continued their pursuit through the caverns. The princess lay a very obvious path beyond her that was littered with the mutilated bodies of crimson soldiers, guards, and whoever else had been unfortunate enough to get in her way. This is quite the chase, Mesrin exclaimed as he followed Tandros through the network of tunnels. It is, Tandros replied curtly. The keeper's bull nose was on the scent. I smell her, he said. She's near. I would hope so. This place fucking stinks, Mesrin replied. He pulled his robe to his face, covering his nose and mouth. The Keeper of the Flame and the Magician made a right turn at the end of the dungeon. In front of them lay a small hallway which led into the mess hall, its main doors before them. Light shone through the crack between the doors. Aha, Tandros said, grinning a full set of sharpened teeth. The two men walked nearer to the mess hall as the sounds of breaking plates, overturning tables, and voices of men engaged in uproarious commotion filled the hallway before them. Tandros and Mezrin reached the mess hall and peeked through the cracked door. The figure of Aaron Kagi, her clothes ripped to shreds, stood at one end of the mess hall as the crimson soldiers, who were enjoying their meals just moments ago, now attempted to confront the princess. The keeper and the magician watched as Aaron quickly sent any oncoming assault away with a flick of her wrists, summoning a wind canta as easily as shooting a fly. Her black hair whipped behind her with each gust of wind drawn by the princess. Mezarin looked at the future keepers of Cornelia with glee. Oh, let me, oh, let me, he whispered to Tandros. She's yours, Tandros snarled. He wanted to jump into the thick of battle and tackle the scrawny girl, but he decided it would be better to share the wealth this time. What Tandros would do to her afterwards was left only to his imagination. Mezarin pulled free one of his hands from his robe and snapped his fingers. Suddenly, the girl's canta fizzled. Aaron looked at her hands and quickly became desperate. Her attempts to summon the element of her father proved fruitless. The crimson soldiers, realizing now that the game had been played out, rushed towards the princess. Aaron cried out as she watched the sea of crimson descend upon her. Mezrin wormed his way through the mess hall's door and proudly walked towards the princess, who was closer to the doorway than the oncoming battalion. The girl backed away from the soldiers and fell to her hind quarters. She was scooting her way towards the back wall of the room when the magician snapped his fingers once more. The soldiers, who had nearly swarmed the princess and Mezrin's location, dropped dead in their tracks in suspended animation. Aaron raised a hand to shield her face from the soldiers. When she realized they were no longer closing in on her, Aaron looked up to see a battalion of soldiers engaged in a quiet, floating ballet. The princess turned to the magician and gazed upon Mezrin with cold, cobalt eyes. The magician smiled. 
My princess, your white knight has arrived. Tandros regarded the princess through the prison cell's reinforced iron doors. Crimson guards stuck their hands through the rusted metal bars on either side of the cell, trying to grab at the princess. My men are restless, Tandros said to Mezrin, who stood at the, to the keeper's left. It's not honorable to keep them from the spoils of their victory in Cornelia. Aaron lay tied to a wooden plank that stood upright and slightly slanted back. Her hands hung above her, secured to a metal bar at the top of her cell with rope. Her face was sullen but relatively clean. Her clothes, however, had fared much worse. Aaron's once ivory tunic, now faded in red and brown hues, drooped against her emaciated body. The fabric was slashed in multiple places, showing off parts of her body that stirred the guards into a hormone-fueled frenzy. She looked down towards her feet, as martyrs and the oppressed are often wont to do. "'Oh, princess,' the magician remarked. "'Look at what these dogs have made of you!' Aaron flicked her eyes upwards to meet the faces of Tandros and Mezrin. Seeing Mezrin brought a fire back into her eyes. She glared at the rodent magician before settling back onto her perch. She put on an air of casual sarcasm. I wouldn't mind the amenities or the decor, but the other guests are much too loud. Mezrin smiled. Kaki as always. You truly are a kagi. The magician turned to Tandros. This virgin princess, I'm not a vir- Aaron started, but was quickly cut off by the magician. This virgin princess, Mezrin continued, deserves more than this pitiful excuse for a host. A hint of serious incredulity directed toward the keeper accompanied the magician's tone. The other men salivated the magician's use of the word virgin. What are you suggesting? asked Tandros. He was not in the mood for any more shenanigans. If the princess had shown the keeper anything, it was the potential power held within the wind canta. The Wind Waker army may not be as powerful as the future Keeperess, but Tandros believed the magician when he said that the number of soldiers in the Crimson Army would need to be expanded sevenfold to ward off the Windborn threat. Let me transport her safely to the dungeons of Lethia, Mezrin suggested. No one has ever escaped in or out of that god's forsaken place. She will very much likely die, which would be easy cleanup for both of us. Tandros looked disgusted. You would have me just simply give up my only leverage in this matter? If I lose her, then there's nothing keeping that feathered bastard from flying into this volcano and killing me outright. True, but he should know better than that. Remember that he saw you use the dark kenta. He knows that something more is amiss. I have dealt the flop, Tandros, and the results are in your favor. Now, in now, the turn and river have yet to reveal themselves, but I'm quite confident in our odds. Samuel's action card hasn't revealed itself, but the Queen of Spades, Mezrin pointed to Aaron, has shown us the way. Tandro stared at the princess through the jail cell. He stared at her for what seemed to Aaron like an eternity. His eyes were empty, with a slight flicker of primitive notions. It was a look of a man who was losing everything except for what lay in his field of view, and that view usually held nothing rightfully his in the first place. Tandros finally spoke, saying, Take her. I hope that you are right, for your master's sake. Mezrin's visage lighted up with this admonishment. You have nothing to worry, my keeper, Peeper. We'll make sure she's in the best care in Lethia. And that evening, Mezrin returned to the dark room near the top of the black spire and slumped into the dealer's spot at the green felt table. He smiled at the three cards that lay face up. 
Could it be that he had finally dealt the hand that his master had been waiting all these years? Mezrin was filled to the brim with the chilly willies. Shall I press my luck? Mezrin asked the empty room as he reached for the deck once more. The magician closed his eyes and inhaled deeply. The smell of success wafted from the playing cards. He grabbed the first card on top of the deck and placed it face down next to the Jack of Hearts. Mezrin breathed another long, deep sigh. The river has spoken, the magician said as he turned the card over. The revelation filled the man in black with a kind of giddy satisfaction. The king of spades had, at long last, arrived. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Cosmic Adverse Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. I want to start off with a bit of an apology. I know it's been a few weeks since the previous chapter has been published. I've been busy building my computer so that I can actually record, edit, and publish these in a much faster fashion. So I may put some photos up on our Twitter account to show the uh, show the battle station, as it were. Uh, hope you uh, are able to forgive me for for the delay, but these next few chapters should really make up for it. You can find us online at cosmicadverse.com. You can find me on Twitter at cosmicadverse. You can also find us on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, uh, your your uh, podcast directory of choice feel free to leave us feedback on your podcast directory of choice and uh, let us know what you think otherwise talk to you next week